if you have engineers that want to come, invite them. If you have customer success people that want to come, invite them. If your CEO wants to do testing, we've had this happen, come on down. Like, please, I encourage it. I think the more you can get out of the building, the more successful your product will be. This is Aaron May. I'm John Henry Forster, and this is Awkward Silence. Silence. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Awkward Silences. We are here today with Laura Powell, who is a specialized generalist at AppCuse, and she is the co-creator of User Test Fest, formerly known as Drunk User Testing. And we're going to talk about the rebrand of the event, how to make events and user testing more accessible to users within your company and to testers outside your company. So, so excited to have Laura here today. Thanks, guys, for having me. Nice to meet you. JH is here, too. I am. I'm back as well. (laughs) Drunk user testing, user test fest. How did we get there? Yeah, how did we get there? Great question. We had been doing the event for two years, I think, when we start to realize and have conversations about the name of the event. We got a lot of feedback from companies who were not comfortable with the name and public companies for one being like, this is not something I can take to my team. This is not something I can have my name on. Those seeds started getting planted. And I think for us, um, it was certainly a very easy event to market. It was not a hard event to sell out attendee wise. Companies were harder to sell, but they knew that they'd be getting a lot of value out of it. And so we kept kind of like having conversations about it. And finally this year, we kind of all reached the same conclusion, which was that no one was really beholden to the name and it was becoming more and more not what we wanted. And we realized that like, actually maybe in casting this wide net and having this name, we're targeting the people we don't want to target and have at the event and inherently making this event exclusive. It was something... I think we qualified for a long time, like, oh, it's not that bad because we're hosting it and we're not bro-y and we're not like that. We're not like these people who are just looking to get blasted at a tech event. But at first blush, if you're seeing this without having any context, how do you not have that reaction? So I'm really happy that that conversation obviously ended where it did. I'm, I'm so much more happy that the name matches what the event is, which is bringing user testing to more people. And that's really where we're trying to focus. Yeah, I think that's one of the cool things about once you start diving more into making things accessible, there are all these layers to it. And you're, the event's meant to make user testing more accessible, but we actually need to make the event more accessible. And here are some ways you know, we can kind of do that. Absolutely. There are certainly things that... Um, I think as as an expert in your own product, even, you know, that you think like, oh, I've thought of everything or I've considered every outcome for the user. Like, I know how this goes and I know the most about it because I made it. And I certainly felt that way about the event. And it took me talking to a lot of people to say like, oh my gosh, actually, that's not the case. And we need to iterate on this because that's my advice to everybody is how do you get better iteration and feedback? It's the same thing for my event. That's the only way that we keep producing such a successful event and having 
the um, enthusiasm we do around the event is because we're taking that feedback seriously. That's awesome. Do you guys have a sense for people who attend uh, to, you know, they're not setting up a booth or anything, but they just want to be there and be a part of it and test some stuff um, like the background. Like are those people who kind of work in product and design and they have some familiarity with this stuff or is it people from like all over the spectrum and, and they just want to see what it's like, or do you have any sense for that? Yeah. So we don't collect any demographic data from our attendees. Um, we grab their job title if they have one and the company they're with. Um, most of our attendees are coming from tech because that's where we're promoting the event. So we'll see a lot of people in product design, in UX, in product. We'll also see a bunch of people in marketing, sales, customer success, and kind of as a weird byproduct, not surprisingly, but surprising to us when we started doing this event, it became very popular for networking and, and people who are looking for jobs, people who are looking for product designers to kind of meet. AppQ's actually, I think we've hired four people we met at the event in the last year. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's, it's just a great event. I think also, as I mentioned earlier, there's this feeling a lot of people who come the first time we have, I think, a really, really high rate of people who keep coming back to the event because they know how fun it is and they know what it's like to feel validated as a user, even if it's just for that night, even if they're not a paying customer of a product to say like, hey, I have input and to know that that's taken seriously and, and could have an impact is such a high. The... Um the, the question that comes up or a theme that comes up in a lot of these conversations is kind of this notion of like scrappy research, like just get it done, any means necessary. And then people who are a little bit more like formal research, like really go through the right uh, methods and, and kind of practices to do it as best as possible. This would seem, you know, you're on the scrappier end of the spectrum of it's probably not the target user in all cases for people who are um, giving the feedback. Um, they're probably, you know, it's noisy, it's distracted. You're doing probably quicker sessions than you'd preferably do. So there's, you know, some things you'd qualify on that side. Um, but do you see that it is uh, like the people who are running the test, like they're really happy with the feedback they're getting and, and it's meaningful, or is it more of just like, it's a fun way to celebrate it and get a couple thoughts. Um, like do, do people get meaningful insights out of it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's both. I think it's really, it's in that um, Venn diagram, that middle where it happens to be a really fun event, but also people are getting a lot of value out of it. So you know, if it's purely a numbers game for people, yeah, you'll do 20 to 30 to 40 even user tests in a night, which is a lot of bang for your buck. But in addition to that, there are people who don't have the means to do formal user testing or don't have the time, smaller teams who are getting ramped up, or even a team who's like, I just want to test this tiny piece of it. And they'll confirm that hypothesis, you know, at user testing. So um, I'm really proud to have like uh, I think our average MPS score for testing companies is 97 from all of the events. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, so there's like one company that is on, is on your bad list probably. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a few companies who probably aren't familiar with the event or always say yeah. like three hours is a long time to test. <clears throat> Absolutely. It totally is. Um, or they'll make suggestions like, Hey, what about having a full bar? And I'm like, maybe not. Um, so I think it's incredibly valuable. And I think certainly if it wasn't valuable for teams, like I, I wouldn't be doing it. Awesome. Have you, um, I know you've taken it sort of on the road <laughs> and it failed over the years. Are there tips you've learned in preparing companies to make the most out of the time that are maybe applicable to 
companies outside of the context of the event for how can you kind of speed up the process of getting a lot of feedback quickly? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing when we're coaching testing companies about preparing for the event, the number one thing for me is plan and rehearse. There's a lot of companies who will say like, oh, this seems like a pretty casual event um, or it seems like it's fun. Ergo, I don't need to do that much prep work. Um, if you want to succeed, obviously, like rehearsing and preparing is the best possible mechanism for doing that. I also think on, on the flip side, like don't overthink it right like test one thing make it make it pretty small like understand that for a lot of people this is their first time testing at all and so i think it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed and certainly the environment's really high energy and you can get overwhelmed by that um and so i think it's about having fun not overthinking but planning because it is at the end of the day like it is something that you want to get value out of and what kind of tests are people doing? Are they doing like basically qualitative usability tests or people getting into tree tests or like more specialized tests or what kind of tests do people run? We see a lot of A-B tests um, at the event. They'll be um, pretty simple like redesign tests. Companies who are like, we're in the middle of this. We want to see if this is part of it is going to be successful. A lot of it is usability though, primarily. The tests are pretty short. They're five to seven minutes. So it's not going to be a long in-depth user test where, you know, you would sit down for an hour and, and delve deeply into a flow. It would, it's pretty, it's pretty snappy. Uh, you mentioned obviously the, the rebrand, which is like a pretty big change in evolution and iteration and all that. Do you guys, are there other things on the roadmap or plan? Like how do you continue to see this event evolving? Is it just more frequency, more locations or other kind of like fun wrinkles that might come into it? I mean, I think anything is possible. We'll always like, you know, I think kneel to the feedback and see what happens. People have no shortage of feedback when it comes to this event as with anything. And I, and I don't expect that's changed. I think for us, in terms of programming, locations will definitely be interesting. We want to bring the message of user testing to everybody and, um, and get everybody excited about it. Um, I think something we've considered is, do we do any content around it? Should we have a speaker who talks at the beginning of the event? Is that something that would be a draw or value to somebody? Um, and, and stuff like that. You know, a year ago, we had Kitar Bear at the event for like an hour and that was a huge draw for people it was it was funny it was fun um he told me it was his favorite event no big deal but uh, uh, for, for non-boston uh, <laughs> listeners we should probably qualify what kitar bear is because it is awesome but it might not be familiar i think aaron had a look where she's like what is this yeah it's very contextual so kitar bear is a bear uh or at least a man dressed as a bear who plays the kitar and he's a local legend you'll see him playing at t-stops and his sightings are a very big deal um so but obviously very contextual to boston i would never like fly guitar bear to san francisco and expect it to have the same impact people would probably be like i mean okay on a scale of like zero to gritty where is guitar oh guitar bear versus gritty that is wow that's a comparison i've not made yet um you know, he does, Kitar Bear like has a softer face, I would say, and a softer expression, but just as much kind of grit as Gritty does and that the costume <laughs> never has never been washed. Uh, Kitar Bear like rides a moped. So 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm Google imaging him and it looks like he's wearing a variety of outfits, but these might not be, um, you know, the, the... Yeah, so the outfit changes, it's just like the hands and the head that, that okay. stay the same and the keytar. He does uh, look um, well-loved. Did, uh, did he do any testing? Did he hang out afterwards and like test products? He did not do any testing, but I have to tell you, Jage, there was this really this moment that everyone now makes fun of me for where it was super warm in the room and when he arrived he's in the suit and he's like even wearing a leather jacket which I'm like oh my god and he looks at me and he goes do you have a can you get a fan and I just looked at him and I was like well we're all fans and I like uh, it was yeah it was not a, my best moment but it's he was just like like a fan fan and I was like right 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 so yeah that was my brief run-in with Kitar Bear now I'm famous <laughs> that's awesome um you mentioned uh kind of like it might be someone's first time running a test or kind of being involved in research do you see that people who are doing the testing at these events um because it's a little more on like the informal side and kind of fun, do they like use it as a chance to get more people on their team exposed to research and like kind of pull them in and, you know, have the typical researcher or product manager involved to kind of like oversee it, but let some other people get some at bats in like a lower pressure environment? Absolutely. It's definitely something we try to do on the AppQ's team where the last event we just had three of the five people on the team testing were new app cuties. So they were, They've never been to the event. They've, they're barely into the products and we kind of like throw them in baptism by fire. Obviously they've got weeks to prepare, but it's really fun for them to meet with our users or just meet people in the wild and use their product and say like, oh my God, I can make eye contact with you and like give meaning to this interaction. So we encourage a lot of the testing companies to do the same, like, hey, don't just make this a product event. If you have engineers that want to come, invite them. If you have customer success people that want to come, invite them. If your CEO wants to do testing, we've had this happen, come on down. Like, please, I encourage it. I think the more you can get out of the building, the more successful your product will be. Agree. Yeah, it seems so important. Um, Aaron can speak to it better, but uh, we've tried to do, you know, like we call it like research at UI, where we try to get the whole team involved. And, you know, it's it's usually four real, you know, research topics that we need to get insights on. And so it's like, it feels like a little like higher pressure, but then it's also the element of, you know, the more you do something, the more normal it becomes. So it's kind of like, you can just kind of push through and, and get developers and get, you know, people in support and other roles talking to customers and doing these sessions, you know, the first ones maybe are a little bumpy or a little uh, nerve wracking for folks, but it kind of gets easier. So it's cool. Like the event to have like the support and seeing everyone kind of like doing it together probably goes a long way too. Yeah. And I think it's good to build that muscle memory too with your team, right? Like there's lots of things you can do at AppQs. We have user testing day every month. So people are, are meeting with users actively outside of that. People will rotate support weeks, but I think this is like, a very interesting opportunity to become like be an uber advocate for your user and say like oh my gosh okay well i might work in marketing where i'm not touching these things on a regular basis or i'm so hyper focused on advertising and promoting a specific angle of our product that i forget who's actually using it and what their days are like because we're being used for like you know 30 minutes in a day with a whole slew of other tools. So like we can't expect people to have the same level of expertise in our product that we do. Well, you mentioned, you know, get out of the building, which I love is like a metaphor too, right? Cause 
Um, you can't always get out of the building. If you're a remote company, you there is no building. Right. Um, get out of the house still applies, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's always just for a variety of reasons. Get out of your dwelling. Right. Just get out of your comfort zone or like the circles. The box, man. Um, yeah. Do you see um, the companies that come in to test, are they like pretty progressive on the user testing side of things? Like they already have, you know, they do this with some frequency or they're talking to people or, or are there some people who are like, we know we need to be doing more research and this event is going to be like our catalyst to get it in motion and we'll figure it out from there. Like, do you, is there like any trends on that side? Yeah, it's really funny to see actually. I would say by and large, all product people, all UX people I talk to, always want to be testing more, like always, hands down. There's never someone I don't talk to that's like, oh, actually we don't have time or like this isn't a need we have right now. Yeah, but I will say that it depends on where the company's at. And unfortunately, something that I've seen trending is that product people or UX people aren't usually the decision makers for getting this approved or getting the budget or whatever. And I I think that can be really frustrating. Like if these are people who are evangelists about it and very excited to do it, um, you know, how do we make sure that they're empowered? Because like, if you're not putting money into user research, like what are you doing? Yeah, that's been a huge learning for us in the research at UI stuff JH was talking about was, you know, there are all sorts of benefits of research, but if you're doing research for product development purposes, um, it's useful to have, um, you know, the bandwidth or the idea that you might take action on the insights you <laughs> uncover, um, right? Absolutely. It can be a frustrating thing to uh, know you have a problem to solve or to even know what the solution might be and, and not sort of be able to, to solve it. So that's been useful for us and seeing the impact of the research, right? It's like step yeah. one, more research. Step two, use the research. Right. You yeah. need the, you need the virtuous cycle. The, uh, the comparison that always comes to mind, maybe because it's January of 2019, but like, as people always say that, you know, they want to go to the gym more, they want to eat healthier. And they, it's like, it's very similar to research in my mind in the sense of like, everyone says they should be doing it more. Um, so it's like this innate, like known thing that it's good. Um, but it's the behavior change and like actually sticking with it and seeing the benefits. That's, that's the hard part. Uh, especially like when the alternative in the case of, you know, eating healthy is like junk food, which is, you know, designed to be delicious. The alternative in like product development or design or whatever is like trusting your own instincts and gut, which is also pretty appealing. It's like, I know what I'm doing. Like I'll just, I'll just follow my own instincts. Um, and so, you know, events like this, where you have like kind of a, a tribe outside your company to go sync up with and kind of keep you accountable and stuff, I think is an important piece of it. Like, I don't, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to do behavior change stuff solo. Like you need somebody to help keep you accountable. And if you can expand that to be outside your own organization, I think that's even, even more powerful. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you're totally right about that. And I think that, you know, I think in, in aspirationally, this event seeks to be you know, a community for people who work in product and UX. And certainly I think that's what it is in Boston. Now it's people who test know each other and get to know each other through this event. Um, and I think the biggest thing you can do is, is like I said, like just keep testing as hard as it might seem. There are a lot of people who are like, I don't even know what to test. I don't even know where to start. Okay. we'll we'll go through that process. I'll, I'll coach you through. It's not as scary as it seems. Um, and I think once you start, yeah, uh, 
I think a lot of products don't mean to be like uh, deaf to what their users want. Obviously, no one intends to be a terrible UX. But when you get in the habit of relying on feedback from one source, you know, current customers or current users or tickets and ticket sorting, um, or just like what the product team goes and like goes to the desert and like, you know, drinks ayahuasca and comes back and is like, we have the vision now. And you're like, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a good way. And so I, I think for us, it's been really fun to see, you know, small, very small teams who don't maybe have a product team who are like, yes, let's get excited about this. And even really large teams like enterprise grade software platforms that you're like, I can't even imagine what it's like to, to figure out what a product looks like. Who are like, this is how we reinvigorate the team. This is how we get back on track. Right. Yeah. There's a very motivating piece that comes out of it. Um, and especially as you mentioned, like, you know, you can talk, you can hear from your own existing people too much. Uh, I think that's a piece of this too, in the sense of like, maybe a lot of these folks aren't your exact target market, but like fresh eyes are valuable. Right. Um, I forget the the study that was popular a couple weeks ago, but um, I think it was Amazon did some testing in India or another market. And they realized that nobody knew what the little uh, search icon on the search bar meant, like the circle with the line on it. I forget what people thought it was, but they had like a totally different association with it. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you're not going to learn that from people who use the product already since they already know that you click that button to get your search results. And so that's like an extreme example, but in other pro cases, you know, having a complete outsider who's probably never going to use or buy your thing, look at it, like might kick up a couple things that get overlooked by people who, who know what they're doing. So. Yeah. I think that I saw a thread yesterday about, about product design and designing for safety. And I think that anybody has to learn a whole lot about their product, right? Like I have to be taught about this event from so many people, even though I'm, you know, let's call it the foremost expert on user test fest. I expect other people to teach me about this event and what it's missing and what I haven't designed for. Um, and in that case, I think that's totally applicable to a lot of products that we're just like, oh, well, that's what that is, duh. And you're like, oh, no, no. I think the thread I saw yesterday was about Google Drive and how there's a tendency in, in some products and technology to ignore safety specifically when it comes to like relationships between men and women and 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 what that's like and and i think like oh yeah that's interesting and something you would never know unless someone brought it to your attention to say like oh hey this is actually a problem for me like i have someone in my life who's toxic who still has access to you know my google drive how do i resolve this um and i think that's definitely applicable to the event it's like well how am i gonna know or or I'm not going to know how to make the event more accessible until people teach me. Not necessarily. I think obviously there are things I can do. And that starts by like widening the circle, right? And asking people like, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your feedback. I need to hear your feedback in order for this to succeed. You, um, you mentioned your killer nine, uh, 97 NPS, which is amazing. Um, do you have any specific success stories? Not to put you on the spot, but people are learning things that are improving their products, you know? Uh, certainly there's, I, I won't name people specifically. I don't want to put them on the spot. Uh, we had an event last year in San Francisco where we actually had two competing products testing at the event. And that was really interesting and both learned a lot. And I would say one definitely has, is more usable than the other. Um, I think the people who have the more usable product were validated by that. I think the people that didn't, 
now know what they can work on. It was a huge night for learning. We had another team at the event in New York who have a product that's amazing and very accessible and really fun. Um, but they're getting ready to like maybe raise money. And so they have like a few little polished things that they're trying to work out before they like go to their uh, potential investors and say, Hey, this is where we're actually focusing. And Hey, this is who our users are. And Hey, this is how they behave. It was incredibly awesome for them. They had hypothesis before that night and they were like, this sealed the deal. We know now we feel ready. We feel prepared. Um, I always like to ask what we didn't ask. Um, what else do you want to tell us? Um, see, I, you know, a lot of people, I, do you guys get this? A lot of people will ask me like, how do I get involved in UX? Like, how do I, how do I get started? Where do I start? People are never looking for junior user researchers. Um, and so what I tell a lot of people that come to this event, especially looking for jobs, is that everybody can be a user researcher. Like you don't have to be in product or UX to know who your users are and know what it takes to make them love your product more. Yeah, I think um, we're uh, about to publish our state of user research report. And one of the more interesting tidbits for me is looking at all the various degrees, undergraduate and graduate that folks have that end up practicing research. It's all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of sort of anthropology and people science, then there's architecture and design and just anything you can think of. We had several nursing degrees. I mean, it's all over the map, but I think, you know, having an interest in people and then having the ability to turn qualitative data into useful insights. And then a hugely important part of it is being able to evangelize the importance of that internally. So it's really a question of interest and skills, but I think it's useful to know that there are so many paths that people are already taking to get to that role that wherever you are, you're sort of in an okay place in terms of getting there um, there are all these opportunities that we've already been talking about to get involved with talking to users. So find those or create those, start sharing what you're learning internally and, you know, see what happens. That would be like my two cents. Yeah. I think, um, I think it depends like big company, small company, right? I think if you're at a bigger company, there's probably, if you are doing a good job, in whatever your current role is, you typically have opportunities for lateral moves where teams will train you and, you know, on virtue of you being smart and liked in the company, they'll, you know, happily take that on. So, you know, kind of networking internally and stuff, I think you can find things. I think if you're, you know, at a smaller company or looking to make a bigger change and like career wise, um, I think lots of startups and other places or anybody who really writes or talks about user research online is like so friendly and so engaging that like, if you like something they wrote and reach out to them and say like, Hey, I love this. What are some other great resources on this? You'll probably start a conversation. Um, the way that designers will sometimes make like a fake portfolio where they go through and do redesigns of existing products or services. You know, if you were to do like a mock, uh, you know, interview where you write the guide and you talk to five family and friends for free and synthesize the results for a real product, like an app you use or something and throw that up as like a portfolio item. I think people will like respond to that kind of stuff. And it, you know, it's not a huge time commitment and it's good practice. Like I think there's a lot of stuff if you're, if you're clever um, just by virtue of the people 
uh, as Aaron mentioned, like the people who do use the research like people and they're interested and they're curious. And so if you're doing interesting, curious things and, and get under their radar, I think opportunities are going to start to open up for you. So you just got to kind of be clever and, and uh, you know, find ways to engage. Yeah. And sign up for user interviews as a participant. I mean, honestly, like for sure, go see how it's done. <laughs> yeah. You know, participant, researcher, you know, it's all good. Just sign up. <laughs> yeah, just sign up. I mean, I love it. I did I did two tests. I was told Aaron I did two tests last year. It was so much fun just to go see what other people are doing and, and to give feedback, obviously, which I'm addicted to doing. Yeah, it is fun being on the other side. That was one of the, the names was the other side of the table because we're like interviewing interviewers. But uh, yeah, it is really fun being on the other side. Um, the the last idea I'm just gonna throw out since we were talking about like how to, you know, how, how other people can do these types of events. If you do work at a big company and you have people who come in and like onboarding classes of like a dozen people, yeah. part of that onboarding should be, you know, let teams internally go do user testing with them. Like they're gonna work at the company, they'll meet people, you'll get fresh perspectives on whatever you're working on. Like you can do these kind of test fest things you know, anywhere you have a bulk of people, right? So if you're at a huge company and you're like, we're never gonna be able to go to this event, I won't be able to get cleared for it or whatever, like just do your own and make it part of onboarding. It'd be a cool thing. Right? So like, I think people, uh, people can find lots of ways to, to do more of this like lower stress kind of fun testing that, that gets things in motion. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Do you guys have a product that you would like to see at the next user test fest? You would nominate? Not necessarily because they have bad UX, but because you're just like, oh, it'd be fun for to give feedback IRL. Or maybe they do have, I don't know if we want to badmouth any products, but. Oh, oh, of our own or just like something out there in the world? Just, yeah, like a product you, yeah, would love any, to meet. Oh, gosh, any kind of like insurance or government product just needs all the UX in the world. Um, I'd be fascinated. Come a long way. Sorry, what were you saying? No, go ahead. I was going to say something nice about airlines, which I never do, but like the Delta app has gotten really good. There you, there go. you go. Shout out to Delta. Shout out to Delta. <laughs> they check you in automatically now. It's amazing. Um, I was going to say, I think uh, spaces that are kind of crowded where you sort of have to be opinionated. Like I, I honestly, I think like to do, to do list type stuff, like they're like on Macs, there are things to do is Asana, you know, all these different solutions. And they all kind of like functionally do the same stuff of like you make list and you check things off of it, but they all kind of have their own like flavor or system that they put on it. And I'd be really okay. fascinated to know how they, you know, hear user feedback and like factor that in versus being like, no, our differentiator in the mar market is like, we put this twist on to do's. And so like, we have to stick to some of our like core principles um, and not get like homogenized. I'm, I don't know if there's anything there, but they, I'm just always astounded by how many to do apps there are. <laughs> and so I'd be very curious to know how they go about making themselves unique. Yeah, definitely. Like, what's their differentiator? Similar to that, there's the whole like Airtable versus Google Sheets, or um, maybe that's not a good one. But there, it's like the create your own software versus we have a point of view for you that you can like use or choose to leave. I'm seeing a lot more of that develop. I'm curious how many how many people really go deep in taking some of these products that are like super super flexible to the full capability mm -hmm. of what they do versus you know use one or two features. I guess anyone who makes any app has this experience, right? Where a certain portion of the audience is really power using and everybody else is using three features. Yeah. Or they're like a total edge case and they're like, oh, we're using this for this one really obscure thing and it works really well for it. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 
Cool. Cool. Well, uh, that was super helpful. It was really fun chatting with you, Laura, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to attend the next user test fest. I haven't been to one in a little while, so excited to get back out there. Yeah, we'll see okay. you there. I'll be first in line for the, the remote user test fest. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Laura. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Awkward Silences, brought to you by User Interviews. Theme music by Fragile Gang. Editing and sound production by Carrie Boyd. <laughs>